You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We are hurtling towards week 17 as we record today on Thursday, not to our normal Tuesday, but Thursday. Uh, there is a game tonight. The Browns play uh, the Jets. The playoff-bound Browns play the Jets. Uh, but before we look too far ahead, we have to look back. Yes, we do. Alex and I both... Um, our respective teams didn't exactly put up their best showing this past weekend. And I think maybe the chiefs were a little bit worse, uh, actually a lot bit worse. Uh, so, uh, Alex, uh, was not a good week for us, uh, respectively, but the 49ers are still sitting at the one seed. And I think all is not lost. I think, uh, they're, they're fine. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they they got to figure some things out. They got to do it quickly. But uh, I don't know what. Uh, how did you feel about the game the other night? Uh, we'll get to the Chiefs afterwards. Well, we got spanked by a better team, a team that felt disrespected coming into the game. I, I felt good about the game just because it was at home, and I felt like the it was going to be a lot closer than it was. But in the second half, the Ravens just they took off. Uh, they got it going offensively. And defensively, they caused a lot of confusion for Kyle Shanahan and for, for Brock Purdy Because they did some disguising, let's just say that, after the snap. You could see that as well. And Purdy, out of the four interceptions, three of them were on him. Okay? I would say the second one was kind of a great play by the cornerback in a way, and and then Humphrey came up with the pick. So I would say three out of the four interceptions were on Purdy, uh, like straight up. It was just a bad read. It was just like forcing the ball into coverage on that third interception, I believe, to Kittle, and then in the end zone. That was kind of brutal, and, and that... You know, you're marching down the field, and, and as you know, as you know this, Lou, you're marching down the field with ease, you get into red zone, and all of a sudden, you see a, a wide receiver open up for a second, you think he's open, you're like, oh, this is going to be an easy touchdown, we're going to get it on that opening drive, and everything is going to go, you know, well after that, all of a sudden, you know, he baited him. And just made a great, you know, read, interception, a very instinctive play. And it kind of just went downhill from there. Obviously, the game would have been different if the 49ers would have scored on that opening drive. But both defenses played well in the first half. But in the second half, it seemed like the Ravens made a few adjustments on the offensive side of the ball and took it to the 49ers. And mistakes. I mean, it still matters in this league, right? We... It's about mistakes. I mean, the team that turns the ball over a lot is usually the team that loses. And we came out on the short end of the stick. You can make excuses that our, our offensive linemen are going down. They're getting injured left and right. You know, one guy is leaving, second, third. But I'm not going to make excuses like that. 
we got spanked by a better <laughs> team, you know, at home. And I hope Purdy is going to be all right because, I mean, he left the game with the stinger. And I am worried about that because I'm sure that for the playoff run, he might not be 100%. Well, because that was the second game in a row uh, with, the, with the same injury. And I think uh, the previous game, he said he had never had one before. So I think now that, that, you know, that could get in his head. We're now all of a sudden two games in a row, same, you know, same injury, which – uh, you never want to minimize these things, but yeah, I'm sure he'll be okay. I think he's got good mental makeup. He went through a lot at Iowa State. Not, you know, not never equating, you know, the Big 12 to uh, the NFL, but just on a personal level, I think he's a he's a pretty mentally tough kid. Um, yeah, the first interception was bad. I mean, that was just I he was probably a little bit late. Uh, I think, you know, it's been dissected by everybody who does these things, Dan Orlovsky and Kurt Warner and, you know, guys that you respect, guys that have been doing this a long time. And the backside, uh, and I think Mark Sanchez, too, he had it drawn up. And, yeah, the, the backside is like a double post. And I think Ayuk was the read there. And he was late, throws it to Debo. Okay, he screw up. I mean, these things happen and, and he was getting hit on a, on a couple of them. I don't want to make excuses for him, but the bottom line was watching that game. I think anybody who's watching that game is seeing who the best player on the field was from start to finish. And you can say statistically, well, it was okay. Not that great. Bottom line was when a play needed to be made, number eight was making the play. Uh, he kept his team, you know, in the, in the right, on the right pace offensively when he needed to make play with his legs, he made a play with his legs. When he had to make a throw, he made a throw. It doesn't always look pretty. doesn't always look perfect, but I don't think there's any question. He was the best player on that field. So I think that, you know, that was the difference. And of course, you know, the defense, like you said, I mean, Mike McDonald, we talked about it going into the game. This guy, I mean, he's you know sneaky. You know, maybe he is. You know, uh, one of the one of those candidates, a real young dude that kind of, kind of comes out of nowhere, presumably. But you know, he's been around for a while. You know, been on some good coaching staffs. But uh, yeah, it was a, that's a tough one when you're at home and you just at a certain point you just say that dude's just better than anybody we have, and we can't and we can't win. So, uh, yeah, all, uh, all kudos to, to the Ravens for going on the road, getting a big win, and it just seems like any time they've had an opportunity where they've been questioned, they answer the bell, and they just put those questions to, to bed. And I, you know, I don't – you don't like to say that, you know, an MVP gets won or lost in one game. I don't think it was just one game, but for – basically the entire country to be watching everybody to kind of be focused on, well, it, you couldn't help. I don't know, Alex. I mean, when you're watching the game, I mean, did, did it, was it that obvious to you that number eight was the best player on the field? You and I made a bet last week by, you know, I, I put my money on Purdy to win the MVP. You said Lamar Jackson is the guy, is your guy to, to take it home. Well, we know who came out on the winning end. And he was the best player, and they have, you know, the best record in the NFL. They deserve it. So it looks like Lamar is going to win that MVP. Lou. You were right. 
We'll see. I don't, you know, it, it still remains to be seen. I mean, you still got human beings voting on it. I think McCaffrey's got every every shot because of the fact that even though Lamar, I think, is showing that he's the best player this year, again, statistically, it isn't as big as even his own MVP season a few years back. So some voters will look at that, and again, it's it's hard to tell somebody, hey, just just watch the games, okay? I mean, it's just so obvious, okay? Just just watch the games. It's not all always about statistics. Now, it has to be partially about that, but just because somebody has a statistical great season at the quarterback position, unless it's you know over like a you know, like a historical thing, you know, 50 yard, 50, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yard type thing where it's like, oh, OK, this is different. But this year is just a weird year where no doesn't seem like there's really a quarterback out there that's had that huge statistical season. I mean, even Josh Allen, he's got a ton of uh, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns. But again, his team is kind of sitting there at nine and six. We don't know if they're good or not is, you know what's happening there so a lot of weird candidacies but uh at least for that night you know i think i think lamar was that the mvp and that might be foreshadowing our mvp of the week a little bit so uh we did i didn't tease that very well uh in terms of the chiefs it's just been this whole season of again from my perspective of kind of waiting for them to figure things out offensively. I think the defense has played more than well enough. This is statistically the best defense that uh, Patrick Mahomes has had. They don't give up a ton of points. So it's like, well, geez, if the offense can only, you know, if they score 24 points a game, they could, you know, they could be sitting there at the one seed, but they just haven't. And I don't know if it's there. It's just like in our mind's eye, we just kind of remember what the offense has been over the years and to see it kind of just broken the way it is, whether it's the receivers running in proper routes or dropping passes and uh, play calls and Mahomes not trusting the offensive line. And, you know, in some cases with good reason, you can't keep replacing uh, the offensive tackles every year and expect to have a lot of cohesion in that unit. But again, it, I think everybody has a piece in this. And then I think we also talked about it a little bit last week is where I'm sure they are missing B enemy. They don't have that kind of uh, kick in the ass old school coach holding a lot of, a lot of people accountable. Now, again, everybody coaches a little bit differently. I'm sure Coach Reed and Coach Nagy have their own way of going about things, and it's very similar, so they don't have that kind of bad cop. Um, I kind of mentioned, uh, you know, at some point, maybe next year, they bring in Steve, Steve Smith Sr. to be their wide receiver coach, to be that kick-ass guy and, and kind of, you know, holding younger receivers accountable, whereas their receiver coach now is a pretty young dude himself. And I don't know that he's found his coaching voice yet. So now that group is kind of twisting. But again, it's more than that. It's everybody top to bottom from Veach down. Everybody's got a hand in this. But I look at the AFC picture 
And there's nobody outside of Baltimore that's really sticking out, playing so well that you can say for a fact that, wow, the Chiefs would really be in trouble if they played this team. I I, I just don't see it. Every you know they they've been in in most of the games. They beat Miami. They beat Jacksonville. So they do, they have tiebreakers with those teams. But the Raiders and, and again I get crossing a couple different things here, and I got way too much to say. But in terms of that, go back to that game. The Raiders really didn't do anything special in that game to win it. The Chiefs pretty much hand-delivered and gift-wrapped and Christmas-gifted them two touchdowns. I mean, two defensive scores. Their offense kicked a couple of field goals. They completed one pass from quarter two through four. Or no, they didn't complete any. (laughs) So they really didn't do anything offensively until the last drive of the game where they kind of handed the ball off some. I think the Chiefs defense was out of gas and they kind of ran out the clock. But uh, I don't know. You got two weeks to get this straight. Uh, my thing is, hey, you're, it's a def- it's a defensive team. Let's lean into that. We don't have to get cute with the offense. We don't have to try a lot of trick plays. If we need to run it a little bit more, let's run it a little bit more. If we need to throw screens, let's throw screens. If we need to just check it down, you know, in a lot of these situations, check it down. Punting isn't all that bad. It's it's like sacrilegious to say when you've got Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, but in order to get this team across the finish line to win games, that might be what you have to do. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens moving forward in the next couple of weeks. I think it's too late to fix now, Lowe. Yeah, I yeah, just, it's you, yeah, absolutely. I, this doesn't look like a Super Bowl team at all. I mean, you can say all you want. You made a speech that the Chiefs can beat anyone except for maybe the Ravens, and that means you know they're in good shape. But when I look at this team, when I look at this offense, Lowe, you have Mahomes, and he's always been one of the most like aggressive downfield throwers. But this year, he has turned into this dink and dunk passer. And, I mean, you could say all you want, the the personnel that they have and all, but they don't attack the ball vertically like they used to. Like I remember, even last year, Lou, I mean, even if we take last year, even before, you know, I'm not talking about before the Tyreek Hill trade. That that's probably the most disappointing thing. Like they rely on these wide receivers to get yards after the catch. But when I'm looking at this, and I've said this over and over again, when I'm looking at this receiving core, no one scares me except for Kelsey. So Kelsey is having a monstrous season. But as you know, in the playoffs, teams are going to take away Kelsey. They're going to double him. They're going to triple him, and they're going to say, "Hey, Rasheed Rice." Hey, Justin Watson. Hey, Kadarius Tony, that can't catch the football. Beat us. Beat us. You know, one-on-one. Let's do this. We'll take away your best weapon. Kind of like Bill Belichick usually does, right? Takes away the best weapon on offense and, and wants the supporting cast to beat him. Then I'm looking at that offensive line. You know, maybe there's a reason why... Mahomes doesn't go deep because they don't trust trust the, the offensive line, especially those bookends. They have way too many offensive holding penalties. I mean, th- there's a lot. I think they lead the league, actually, with the holding penalties from, you know, especially the bookends. 
as far as I'm concerned. And then the mistakes, Lou, where's this coming from? Usually Andy Reid's offense is a lot more efficient than this. They don't beat themselves, and they they don't turn the ball over, right? How can Aiden O'Connell throw for 62 yards and the Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs? In, in today's NFL, that's impossible, Lou. I mean, I could say this in the early 1990s, a quarterback could throw for 60 yards and then they come away with the win if they have a great defense. But 62 passing Well, yards? even that. Yeah, I mean, even then. I mean, I, I think at any any year of 62 yards is not going to is not going to win you any games like you said the other team had to gift wrap uh the, the scores for them and then offensively they were yeah they really weren't threatening for most of the game just a couple of drives you know they missed a couple of field goals i mean it just and like you said all the mistakes so uh yeah i mean it's just um it's so overarching. Like I said, it, it's just an entire uh, conglomeration. I don't know. You know, decisions were made at the at the top about about the receiving core. So it kind of starts there. Uh, you know, the money that they invested in Juwan Taylor versus maybe you know a receiver or, or some different offensive linemen. So everybody's got a hand in it. You know, Reed. Maybe it has to do with the play calling and they're, you know, and they're kind of sticking with the offense that had been working up to this point. But like you said, I mean, for any reason, they're not able to attack downfield. And when they do, you know, there's interceptions or, or drops. And, and so there's really nothing going on that has any continuity to it. So it, it's just kind of wonky. There's no consistency even within a game. You know, they might have one decent drive and then they step back for two or three. Uh, so a lot. of So, again, and it permeates. And I think all of it has you know, all of it has merit. And in the EB thing, I think maybe, you know, as, as the weeks have gone by, I'm kind of coming around on that because you never saw the, the players exploding the way they have on the sideline. And you've got, you know, your two biggest leaders. And the only thing I would take issue with is that Travis Kelsey's had a monster year. He really hasn't. I mean, he's had a decent year uh, by his standards, right? I mean, it's pretty good, you know, for most standards, but I don't think he scored a touchdown in like six or seven weeks. Uh, and what you're saying is true is they are kind of taking him away. They are shadowing him. So you would think some of these other guys would, would eat, but again, it's very sporadic. It's not very consistent. I mean, Rasheed Rice, I think, has had a very good rookie year. But, I mean, he's not – you can't expect, you know, the rookie to carry the receiving core. But he's one, had to. Another thing that I've noticed last year, I remember the Chiefs leaning on the running game, right? The rushing attack more, yeah. was working. It was working. If you look at the numbers this year and if you watch the games – they're still trying to do that, but they're not as successful, okay? I mean, it's just last year they leaned on that interior line with Tony and, you know, Creed Humphrey, and they were able to just run down people's throats, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. And I think they, they thought they could do it again this year, but the numbers just don't back it up. They're not quite as successful rushing the football. That means you have to adjust. 
You've got some vertical threats. You've got Kadarius Tony. You've got Val- Valdez Scantling. Let's do it. Let's air it out. Let's take <clears throat> deep shots. I, I mean, that, that's that's how I would overcompensate out here. So I'm not seeing that. And, I, no, and I've seen no, the Chiefs. I, I, I haven't seen the Chiefs quite as much as you have because you've seen every game. But, yeah. low, they don't. They haven't adjusted well, okay? And I always thought that Andy Reid was one of those coaches that is able to be flexible. He's able to recognize what his team's strengths are and what his team's weaknesses are. And I always thought that he's a guy that could adjust when the season goes on. I haven't seen that. And you know what? You might get your wish. It looks like Washington is going to be hiring a new head coach. Sam Howell experiences <laughs> over. I just so don't know that, might come back. Like, I don't know that he does, that he would do that. I mean, the reason that he left, it wasn't anything performance or personality. I think it was more so to get experience away from Reed and just kind of maybe bolster his resume. But I think he's just one of these guys that's a very uh abrasive personality not like a like a like a jerk but he just he's very straight up i mean he'll you know if he he thinks that you're screwing up he will tell you exactly what you're screwing up uh hold you accountable and he's the first one to admit that that's the way that's the way he coaches but then he also says and he always said at every press conference that i'll be your biggest i'll be your biggest fan too i will be behind you every step of the way i will you know coach coaching people up so he may not have a choice but i i don't yeah it would be an awful strange situation or you know maybe they get fired before the end of the season and they bring him on as a special consultant to kick some ass <laughs> so that's the only thing i'm not saying that the that the that the chiefs have given me any indication that they could go through and win or be a super bowl team but i'm just looking at these other playoff teams and this lack of experience uh again situational types so again in a one game situation i think they can certainly beat any one of these teams uh so that's the only thing that gives me any sort of hope that they could still win a playoff game or two this year as bad as it looks i mean i don't you know, you got guys like, you know, Gardner Minshew and Joe Flacco, the, the, the Jags are reeling. So maybe you get you, you, uh, CJ Stroud can kind of get this back on the rails for Houston, win these last two games, and maybe they win that division. Um, they beat the Dolphins earlier this year, which seems like 100 years ago now. Uh, the game was in Germany, but it just that was probably their, their best game of the season. Uh, and it wasn't very consistent there either. So I got, it just seems like a bolt. It's time for a Baltimore coronation, but we've seen them slip in the playoffs. So, uh, I don't know. It's just really strange to like be watching a chiefs game and feel like when the defense comes on the field, that's your best opportunity at, at making a big play. I hope the chiefs get the Colts or the Texans, or the Bengals in the current situation. If they get the Bills, Lou, I think they're in trouble. Because, I mean, it looks like the Bills are kicking it in high gear right now. It looks like they're like one of the hottest teams. Did you watch the game against the, the Chargers? 
<laughs> well, that's I mean, what I thought. That's what I thought too. Again, after that Dallas game, you figure, okay, this—they've kind of—they figured out a way that they're going to play and everything else. I, I get it; it's an emotional win. You go across the country, whatever. But you're playing against—it wasn't Herbert; it was Easton Stick. They really—they were beat up all over the field too. But they—they hell, they—they they took them to the wire, man. So I, yeah, and that's and and that's the infuriating thing about the AFC right now is where we all thought coming into the season you had all these really good teams, all these really good quarterbacks, and there's like no consistency here at all outside of the Ravens. Uh, Miami f- did finally win. You know they 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 beat a team above 500. You know against the Cowboys last week. It was at home, but. Hell, if the fullback maybe doesn't fumble on the goal line, we're talking having a whole different conversation as far as Miami's concerned. But uh, we'll see. They go to Baltimore this week, and this they can they can speak for themselves if they win that if they win their last two games, they're the one seed. Well, I'll tell you what, the Chiefs situation is a lot better than the Broncos situation currently, Lou. So oh, I, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're gloating somewhere, and you're like, yes, Denver. I mean, Sean Payton, <laughs> he's trying to turn into this, trying to get this revolution going in the Mile High City. You know, it, it's amazing. I never thought it would come to this, but here it is. I mean, they've they've benched Russ for the last two weeks of the season. This situation reminds me of the Derek Carr situation. You know, Sean and Payton. And look who's coming in to play. Yeah, that's Same what I'm dude, saying. Same dude, Jared Stidham. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And he didn't save the Raiders either, okay? But, I mean, in all in all fairness, uh, it, it, let's be fair here. You know, it's just they signed Jared Stidham to a, a big contract for a backup quarterback. But oh, I yeah. actually didn't think it would come to this, you know? If you look at Russ's numbers, Lou... They're actually quite good from an let's individual get, standpoint. Let's not get trapped by that. Right. We, we but, talked about that early in the show. <laughs> but they're not winning. And there's no, certain they're 25th in offense. Yes, his individual numbers aren't bad. Okay. But is it $50 million a year? You know, it's, is it this is the quarterback I want to work with? Is it this guy, this guy is like carrying this horrible team? No, none of that stuff. So, yeah, I think Peyton, if he's going to go down, right, he's going to go down with with his guy. Now, I don't know who the hell his guy is. I don't know that it's Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham just happens to be there, and I think maybe he liked him more than Russ coming into the season, but he's willing to give it a give it a try, and they did, and they he figured it out. I mean, it it, it got it was ugly early. Uh, got a little bit better. They won some games. It was ugly, but they won some games. And then it got ugly again when they got crushed in Detroit, the blow up on the sideline, and then they lose at home to New England. And it was like, oh, God, this is this is bad. What do so, you think? I'm not, I am not gloating. Who uh, is Who is Sean Payton's quarterback? Because we can all agree that this is it. This is the end of the marriage. The Broncos yeah. are going to have to eat $85 million, you know, when they cut them in March. It's a lot of dead money, but yeah. and the GM is probably going to lose his job as well because Peyton has got to throw somebody else under the bus as well by saying, yeah. this isn't my guy. I didn't give him this contract. Well, they didn't just pay so, him. They gave up a bunch of picks. They gave they up did. 
a bunch of players. So I mean, this was this is going to go down as a really bad. Let bad me throw one out of the, one of the let worst me, ever. Let me throw out a name that seems logical. Okay, Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yes, sir. Because, Captain Kirk. Because Let's you do have it. you have the defense, right? The Broncos' defense has played very well after not playing well the first like five or six weeks of the season. But then you know there's been this you know revolution. I mean they've just they've risen from the dead. Kirk Cousins is one of the most efficient quarterbacks. You know he studies like hell. He knows the offense. He can excel in that play action pass. You know they can rely on the run. You know, Kirk Cousins is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of the past decade. So I would say that's the only guy. I'm not sure that the Vikings are going to let him go that easily, especially with this quarterback situation that that looks really murky for them. But well, since they the Broncos, really don't have a, they don't have a choice because he's he's a free agent. I mean, but you know. they're they're probably going to compete for him. That's what I'm saying. But probably you. Would I think. think Cousins makes the most sense. The only thing is he's coming off an injury, and he's also 35 years old. So that's probably going to be one of those Achilles injury. I mean, you know, all due respect to Aaron Rodgers, and he was going to come back this year. I don't know that that was ever really going to happen, but whatever. He's optics. It's all about Aaron, and so he got all his attention. You haven't heard a word out of out of Kirk Cousins, okay? And that's on brand, and that's just the way he he operates like most guys would. Uh, but he's there helping, you know, trying to help out, you know, the team get to the playoffs. Trying, I mean, he is the ultimate team guy. And I agree with you. This would be this would be perfect, again, pending on his health. Right. And if he's willing to, I don't know, they're probably not going to be able to break the bank because, like you said, all the dead money that they have. Uh, and especially his age, everything else. So it may not work from that perspective. Is Sean Payton willing to, you know, draft a guy and wait for, you know, kind of develop? Is that, you know, is that in the cards? No, but they may still do that, but they're going to have to bring somebody in that, you know, can play quarterback right now. Maybe it is Jarrett Stidham. Maybe Jarrett Stidham is this bridge guy, but they go out and draft one of the, one of these young dudes that, you know, everybody seems to think there's a handful that can play in this draft coming up. But again, it's a crapshoot. Every year, you got guys that you thought were going to be good that have busted out, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just statistically, that's just the way it works. Maybe half of them hit, maybe two of them out of five hit. Um, how about, well, I don't know. He's a, a totally different type of quarterback but he's gonna be out there it looks like is justin fields he's he doesn't seem like a sean payton type of guy does he absolutely not but i also think that the broncos don't have the capital to give up for justin fields they don't even have like a viable day two pick that i think they'll be willing to give up for justin fields yeah i'm not talking about a first rounder i think if they had the draft picks they might so the, do something. Yeah. But. The availability, there's no, I mean, I don't know that there's a ton of guys that are going to be available that you would say, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a playoff dude. But here we are uh, four weeks ago. Would we been, be saying this about Joe Flacco having a resurgence? Four games. Can, can you win comeback player of the year playing like six games? 
I mean, this guy is just so. I don't has think been so. amazing. Your Cleveland Browns, they're sitting there now at 10 and 5. Not exactly the way you probably envisioned it, but here we are. Well, I mean, the defense is getting it done. With all due respect to Joe Flacco, the, the Browns are being He's driven for by a that ton of yard, a lot of, lot of touchdowns coming, a lot of deep balls. I mean, it's uh, Cleveland's pretty fired up, uh, my friend. No, they're clicking the last couple of games with Amari Cooper, and Cooper had like over, what, 285 yards last game? Yeah. That's crazy, that is, right? Yeah. Video game numbers. Franchise record. I mean, the Browns have been around forever, that, and that was a franchise record. But I don't trust Joe Flacco in the playoffs. As much as I love Cleveland and I picked them to go to the playoffs with Deshaun Watson, by the way, I never saw this story unfold. <laughs> but uh, here it is, Joe Flacco coming from the hey, dead. This, off. this dude ha has had some of the best playoff football in his. I mean, some of his wins have been just legendary. The year they won the Super Bowl when he, like, basically made all his money and got the hundred million dollar contract or whatever. I mean, they go, I think the first game he beats Andrew Luck. Then he goes and I think he wins in new England beats Brady and then Manning uh, in Denver and then goes and wins the Super Bowl <laughs> against the, the Niners and, and Jim Harbaugh. So uh I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, dude, maybe there's some magic left. I don't think so. But it so. goes I back mean... to, like, again, like, who who are these guys? Are, I mean, are you really afraid of? If they go play Miami, I mean, do you, are you, they really that afraid of Tua or Lawrence or Gardner Minshew or C.J. Stroud or no, Jake no, Browning? If, if they're playing against <laughs> anybody but, like, Miami or Baltimore – I give them a shot. But if they meet the Dolphins, Lou, I would feel much more comfortable this game being played in Cleveland, right? Where it's cold, right? But in Miami and right. Sunny Beach, I, I Miami is just too explosive out there. Well, if and... they're sit they're sitting right now with the five C. They're like the top top wild card team right now. So that means they would play in uh what looks Jacksonville. like Division winner, whether it's Jacksonville or Houston or Indianapolis, I don't. They, I, I got to believe they, they might even be favored in those games. Well, I think right? that defense is going to get it done, especially with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags dropping like four games straight. You know, Lawrence is not healthy. He you know, Cleveland is just going to get after him and knock him out of the game. I think that's what they would do. So, so um, yeah, so they, give could, him a they, could, they could certainly win at least one game. And then it's not like, could. okay, man. They should. I think they Match should. Up, it's a, it'll be matchups in every game, you know. So, you know, momentum is, is good. And you, you want to be playing well coming into the tournament. But. I tell you, but when you start looking at these, you know, just individual head-to-head matchups, you know, like you can certainly make a case for the, for the Browns, you know, getting to the AFC Championship game. Oh, absolutely! I mean, that defense is going to give them a chance, and I think you know, Flacco has gotten the hot. I would feel a lot more comfortable if they had, you know, the running back. If they had, you know, the the guy who didn't Chubb. go down in the early yeah. in the season, of Chubb. course. I mean, that would make them a lot more dangerous, but 
Unfortunately, they don't have that, and that's what makes this well, between between Hunt and Jerome Ford. I mean, it's not like they've got an ace in the backfield, but I think they're you know they're, they're doing pretty well. I mean, not not like they're going to carry the team, but I think that's just it. Is they've kind of leaned into that because they they've lost you know a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, you know, the receivers have been kind of iffy. I mean, Amari Cooper's had this resurgence. We thought he was he's been a a ghost it seems like the last couple of years and now he's playing like the all pro that he that we thought he was so uh yeah yeah, what the hell man it's amazing it's just this this nfl season is working out like a tv drama here at the end of the season It, it really is like you know some teams are winning that shouldn't be winning and then, you know, we're talking about teams just coming back from the dead and then teams that look like they secured the playoffs, like the Chiefs, the Jaguars, they're nowhere near to be found right now. They're like trying to survive out here and get into the playoffs. Floundering. Yes, yeah, that's, exactly. that's the so, word I'm looking for. All right. So, I mean, the AFC picture, again, is is as top heavy as it is with, with Baltimore being, you know, clear cut here in terms of the number one seed. Although, like I said, if Miami had beats them this weekend, which I just don't see that happening, but if they do, and then they beat Buffalo that last game of the year, which is in Miami, they're the number one seed. So uh, then everything kind of like gets shuffled around and uh, Baltimore might be going on the road for that AFC championship game. So they're going to be more than, motivated and and looking to uh to pull out that can of whoop ass one more time because it seems like every week they play a a good team it's just i don't know i mean detroit uh at the time seattle was was a pretty good team right uh now the rams played them to overtime so that's something to be said about the rams so let's shift over to the nfc a little bit uh, Niners are still sitting there at, at the one seed, but everything is kind of, you know, kind of mushed together a little bit because you got Philadelphia at 11 and four, you got Detroit at 11 and four and the Niners that have the, obviously have the tie break over both of them. But, um, and then Dallas is still sitting there at the, the top wild card and they've clinched. So they're, they've kind of locked into that position unless Philly stumbles and then they can might win the division. But um, the Rams, I think are just the most interesting team right now because they are as hot as anybody flying under the radar a little bit, but uh, Stafford, our guy, Puka Nakua just keeps putting up numbers and just I mean, just the way he plays, the energy exudes, the smile on his face while he runs you over and pulls your heart out of your chest. I I kind of like him. So uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you make about of the NFC right now? I wouldn't want to play the Rams, slow. It's just like we're talking about the Browns and the AFC that – you know, they're one of the hottest teams right now, and nobody wants to play them. And they look like they could advance to the the championship game, AFC championship game. I wouldn't want to play the Rams. I mean, the Rams look like with Kyron Williams back, you know, with their wide receiver situation, Stafford is playing on all cylinders. The defense has surprised. 
I wouldn't want to play that team. I just, there are too many uncertains right now. I mean, you're looking at the top teams, but then, like, who's going to get in? Like, what about the NFC North? Like, uh, are we thinking about the Packers or the Vikings? I mean, what do we, then you have the Seahawks and the Rams. I'm talking about teams that are kind of chasing those final two spots out there. I, I think it just depends who gets in, but I think the Los Angeles Rams are an intriguing team. And the fact that Sean McVay has been there and a few of those guys have won the Super Bowl and they look like they're healthy right now, I just, I wouldn't want to play that team. And this they've is, got it. Yeah, you've got a quarterback that's been there before that has played at an, an elite level at diff, you know different times during the course of his career, kind of an anonymity in Detroit. And could you imagine that? First playoff game on however many years Detroit wins their division and who comes in but Matt Stafford in that playoff game. Would that just be surreal? You talk about you know an unscripted scripted show. That would just that just another chapter in in just like this whole season of just being just nuts absolutely nuts that would be you know golf going against the ram we didn't want you and now you're gone stafford all those years laboring in anonymity with detroit now he comes back with a playoff team wearing a super bowl ring i'm ready for that rams at detroit let's just put it on right now I think uh, I think the commissioner has already written that one down, and I think it is going to happen, Lou. I well, mean, that was the big joke in the, 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 the television commercials leading into this season was like the, the big thing was, oh, the NFL is scripted, it's fixed, and all that. And they kind of leaned into it. So maybe – and they kind of – that uh, I don't know, that, that sort of uh, marketing campaign kind of went by the wayside a few weeks into the season. <laughs> But I think now they can it can be resurrected with some new players that that would just be so fitting. That would be so cool. I, I mean, I don't know you know, who it would be the coolest for, but uh, that would be an awesome sight. I mean, who else scares you in the NFC except for for the top teams, right? Like the, the teams, a couple of teams that are out there besides the Rams. I mean, nobody really scares you, Lou. Seahawks, no. Packers, Vikings. I mean, if those guys get in, uh, they're going to be like one and done, right? Let's talk about, I mean, Baker, we've been kind of had this running thing with, with Baker all season. And again, I said it last week and I'm the first to admit it that I was way off on this and Baker is proving me wrong. He is playing well enough to be the leader of that team. They lead that division. Um, they're sitting there at eight and seven. It's no lock by any stretch of the imagination you still have got atlanta at seven and eight new orleans at seven and eight but if they beat new orleans this weekend uh in tampa uh, that will go a long way and just kind of like salting this thing away uh but baker i mean i who's the and then after the fact you look at it and it's like well geez you know he's got all these weapons <laughs> you know he's got mike evans is still again the most it seems like the most underrated great player ever uh godwin seems to be kind of i don't know that he's been injured a lot but it seems like he's finally getting healthy and he he's putting up numbers rashad white i think i mentioned it last week quietly having a great season 
defense is playing all right. Not that they're world beaters, but here we are. And we're talking about Baker Mayfield leading a team into the playoffs where he was the guy from the first game. Wasn't like we had to put him in or we had to take him out and put somebody else in and then he gets the job back. No, he's been the guy from the time they signed him probably. I mean, they went through this charade with Kyle Trask during the offseason, but I don't think it was really a competition. And here we are. Does he deserve uh, can he be a guy that maybe Sean Payton lures? Maybe. Maybe that's a possibility out there. I mean, that's but Baker's, I think he should stay where he is. I mean, he has been overachieving this year. And instead of running away and going to and playing for a coach that, that's so demanding, I think he should stay with the Bucks. I think that would be the best situation out there. But we're talking about Tampa, Lou. If they finish fourth, that means they're going to play against who? The Cowboys? Dallas. Yeah, but in I, Tampa. Yeah, but look. Didn't that happen last year when they took Brady out? That was I mean, with Brady, all due Brady's respect, last game. With all due respect, right? And Dallas stinks in those away games. They really do. And this isn't them like being at home. But Dallas is going to win that game, Lou. I mean, the Cowboys <laughs> will win that game with that defense. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, that's that's going to happen. You, you would yeah. think. You would think, but Not, I, I would think. I think it's gonna happen. I think they're gonna just blow them out. They still haven't beaten anybody any good on the road. I mean, they, you know, they got their butts kicked and handed to them and kicked out of Buffalo. They go to to Miami, and that didn't look good. But you know, they were in the game. In Philadelphia, they were in the game, but they didn't win. So it's it's. You still got to make a case for for them having to go on the road. Now, again, in a big game, in a playoff game, again, say what you will about the Bucks, Baker Mayfield, everything else. They're not that good, but it's still that situation, and you got to give them a puncher's chance, don't you? I can imagine the narrative heading into that game, everybody picking the Bucks. Because the Bucks are like one of the hottest teams. They're playing so well in December. Uh, Dallas can't win on the road. Dak can't win the big one. That's going to motivate the Cowboys. Stephen A. is going to give them a lot of good material. That Baker is like one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL. I'm telling you, it's just one of those you well, hear I, I'm, that I'm stuff, hoping they'll okay? be motivated to win a playoff game. Sure, but it's going to motivate them even more. It's going to motivate them even more because I have a feeling that the Bucks. They might not be the favorites, but they're like the the point differential is going to be so close that it's going to feel like Tampa is the favorite moving into that game. A lot of people are going to put money on the Bucks because they are playing so well. You know, Baker a found a new dog, life for sure. It, it motivates you, Lou. That stuff motivates you. When people feel that you can't win, it's bulletin material for the other team, and that's why I think the Cowboys are going to destroy them. That's what I think. I'm not saying they're going to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to win the second game. But I think in the wild card, they'll take care of the Bucks fairly easily. So I still, you know, to me, I, I, San Francisco is still the best team in the NFC. I mean, that game against Baltimore notwithstanding, uh, a situationally, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose a game here and there. Nobody's going undefeated, especially this season. It, no one, it doesn't seem like anybody's really separated. But 
you know, again, but it looks like Baltimore is separated. And I believe San Francisco is separated because they've beaten the best teams that they've they've come across in the NFC. Uh, Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, they close the season with the Rams. That'll be an interesting game. Uh, I believe it's in Santa Clara. Uh, so depending on what happens with the Rams this week, they play in New York against the Giants, which that's not going to be an easy game. Tyrod Taylor now is starting. They just seem like such a – not a good team, but a much better team with Tyrod Taylor behind the center. But, you know, Rams are favored, and they should win that game. So if they come in there 9-7 and seven, – and San Francisco, who do they who do they have like the Commanders this week? So this would be pretty much a walkover. Twelve and four, maybe they'll have the one seed wrapped up, but it's still Shanahan against McVeigh, and you know Shanahan's going to want to kick his ass. And it seems like McVeigh tends to have his number during the regular season. That's going to be an interesting uh, season closing game for sure. We'll see. But, it, like, the Rams scare me a lot more than the Bucks because I just feel like they've got more weapons. No, the quarterback. I mean, they – The defense, yeah. the quarterback, the experience. Cooper, Cooper sure. That, that's that, – I wouldn't want to play the Rams. I mean, that's the, the team that I would be scared right. of. I mean, to go on the yeah. road and, and get those wins. So – yeah, because you just look at – again, if you're just looking at this from a quarterback perspective, he's the only guy. You know, he's he's been to the mountaintop. He's won that game. Uh, he's healthy for the first time in a long time. And like you said, I mean, you got almost two – like a Puka's almost like a, a Cooper Cup clone. Uh, might not be quite as – fast but fast enough it doesn't seem like you know guys are catching you know like running him down from behind he's quick he's tough i mean it's it is kind of, that's a punch now because you you know it used to be okay we could try to take cup away and then it was well we have obj then then he's gone and we really don't have another guy is it going to be tutu atwell is it going to be this guy is it that guy we got puka freaking nakua now man i mean he's setting records uh, this is the real deal. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. There isn't – you look at the other quarterbacks. I mean, Goff has been to a Super Bowl with the Rams, ironically. Uh, but he's really he's really the only one. Um, Jalen Hurts last year played the game of his life, it seemed like, but lost. So you've only got one guy that's kind of been there and won it. And here they are coming from behind, if you would. Yeah, that's the – that's got to be the scariest team in the NFC right now, for sure, because you just don't get that sense from Seattle, from Minnesota, from Green Bay. I mean, these teams, yeah, they're there record-wise, but you just don't get the sense this is a playoff team or somebody that could actually even get into the dance. So you can have that whole column of uh, you know, in the hunt or on the bubble or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just – I. I think the NFC, this is the crew that's getting in, meaning the wild cards being Dallas, L.A., and Seattle. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, Seattle has Pittsburgh this weekend. It's in Seattle. But, again, you know, the Steelers, I don't sometimes they just do it with mirrors, and you never know how that game goes. But if Seattle wins, the Rams win, I, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, and the AFC, 
Yeah, maybe he, Houston. I think is, is CJ Stroud is supposed he's in in the fourth stage now the concussion protocol, so he's like limited practice wise. So you may see him this week. So that that could be a team. All of a sudden, he gets them straight and they win a couple of games. They might win that division. But uh, yeah, I just don't see that team. We thought maybe Buffalo, and it still might be Buffalo. It's kind of like kind of coming from the back of the pack that this is the team that nobody wants to play. So uh, I would say I'm with you there. The Rams and uh, and probably Buffalo are those those two uh, teams that are making the late run. So let's, yeah, and I just think that, you know, the Browns, obviously the Browns have to be in the conversation because you wouldn't want to play them as well. I mean, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland like, as a Joe Flacco, here we go. That would be something. Now, we talked about, you know, uh, Stafford going back to Detroit. How about if uh, Flacco back in Baltimore for that for that game against Lamar that pretty much took his job and you know the rest is history so to speak but uh yeah they could be two really compelling human interest stories <laughs> along with you know some pretty decent football MVP of the week uh yeah I, I think I pretty much let the cat out of the bag at the beginning I, I've got LJ8 uh I don't you know, Mari Cooper, you know, record setting day, of course, Puka, another huge game, uh, Brees Hall for the Jets. But again, it was the Jets and it was just a, just a crap game. You know, but he had over I think he had over 95 yards receiving and rushing a couple of touchdowns. I mean, he just the kid's just a great player on a really bad team. But uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson's got to be my MVP of the week. I'll go with Amari Cooper just because, I mean, he put up like fantasy numbers, 11 receptions, 265 yards, nearly 25 yards per reception and two touchdowns. He's, I don't know, I think maybe him and Jerry Rice, Lou, are the only wide receivers that have done it for like different teams because Amari Cooper has done, has been over 200 yards with the Cowboys He's done it, obviously, with the Raiders, and now he's done it with the Cleveland Browns. So that's, yeah, pretty, that's impressive. pretty impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, I don't. Has anybody else ever done it? For I think teams? Jerry Rice did. No, I think he must have done it with uh, with the 49ers, well, probably, the Raiders, and the, the Seahawks, right? Or or no? I don't know who the third team was. I don't, you know, Seattle. No, no, no. Was it's T.O. For... Lo, it's T.O. Okay. Uh, has yeah. done I was gonna. This. I was gonna. CEO yeah, because this. he was a more prominent role in all the teams he was on. Where Rice, I think it was after the Raiders, it was just kind of almost like hanging on. Type Terrell Owens has no, done T.O. it. T.O. has done it. Obviously, yeah, with the Forty Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles. Right. And the Cowboys. Right. He may have even done it with. Uh, hey, he had a chance to do it with the Bengals playing with Ocho Cinco, with the Bills. But, yeah, those three for sure. All right. So uh, we come to the segment of the show now where um, I'm flat out embarrassed. I, I've, I've lost my touch. I'm having a really, really rough few weeks. Started out the season pretty decent. Uh, actually not so good, kind of like middling, then got – Got it above 500, but last few weeks have been very difficult. So uh, just going to give you my games, 24 and 30 on the season. Pretty just, uh, I don't feel good about this. But, 
All right. So we got Baltimore. As I said, they're playing Miami. This is to kind of shut the door on any conversation that anybody else is the number one seed. So I'm going to take Baltimore minus three and a half. Uh, we talked about the Bucks, how well they're playing. They can, I, I don't know, they can clinch the division, but it's almost but all but clinched if they beat New Orleans. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay minus three. I've liked the Bears a lot late. Lee and those are seem to be the games that I'm winning. They try their best to give it away at the end, and it's just it's very difficult to watch. But I like the Bears minus three this week. Uh, Seattle's minus three and a half. They shouldn't be favored over anybody, but I can't see taking Mason Rudolph either on the road. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks. And then my bonus pick, just because I'm doing so terrible, I got to throw five in there. I'm going to take the Giants in my ugly game of the week. I'm going to take the Giants plus four and a half over the Rams. I think the Rams win. I think it's a field goal game. And somehow Tyrod Taylor makes enough plays to keep it close. But, uh, yeah, not feeling very confident, Alex, but uh, I'll give you five this week. All right, my lock of the week, I'm going to go against you, my friend, on that first game. I think Miami is going to keep it close. I think. Lock. Yeah, I, I don't anticipate. Whoa. I don't anticipate the Ravens blowing out the Miami Dolphins like they did the 49ers. I just think the Dolphins are going to be a lot closer. And frankly, I think Miami wins this game on the road. But I'm not willing to go there. I'm just taking the plus three and a half, which. I'm going to do the, the spread. And I think Always that Miami, if they don't win, this game is going to be a lot closer. So uh, for the Ravens are flying high right now. They beat the 49ers. They proved it that they're the best team in football. Their defense is great. Yada, yada, yada. But the Miami Dolphins ain't too bad either on defense. And that offense is yeah, going to be flying a- high. Okay. And Tyreek went nuts up there last year. It was early in the season. I mean, it was nice weather and everything. You know, it might be a little bit different this weekend. I'm sure it'll be a little, little wet, a little bit of a slog. But uh, they did, they did go up there and beat them last year. So uh, Miami yeah. also who, has rain. Who am I to low? say no? Uh, the Dolphins also have rain and in sunny Florida. I mean, it also rains up there. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think the the advantage that they have is that they're going to see the same type of offense that they saw against the 49ers. But I just think the Miami Dolphins have those explosive playmakers. Tyreek Hill played last week. He's not 100%, but having him out there. And I think what the Dolphins are going to be able to do is they're going to be able to run the football. And they're going to be able to get those screen passes with Devin A-Chain. And I just think that's going to be the difference. Again, I'm not saying Miami wins. But I think they cover that. I, I think it's going to be within a field goal. It's going to be a very close game. And and we're going to find out that the Dolphins are closer to the Ravens than you're giving them credit for right now. All right. Very good. I can't wait. I mean, it's a 1 o'clock game. I mean, I, I'm surprised this they didn't kind of figure out it, like an island for the game, maybe like a Sunday night or something. But here we go. 1 o'clock uh, Sunday afternoon, Baltimore at home against Miami. Should be a good one. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Lot, we got to hit a lot of stuff. Uh, playoffs coming up. Uh, a lot of scenarios out there, teams trying to get in. Everybody's still alive. I think 24 teams out of 32 are still mathematically alive. It's the latest that many teams have been alive in like 20 years. So uh, the NFL is getting exactly what it wants. Terrific script. We're here for it. So until next time, guys. 
please subscribe, listen in on a weekly basis. We're here for you. For my pal Alex, I'm Lou. As always, mm -hmm.